0: Granddad business with Aaron Caliber. That's my dad. Hello,
1: underpants. That is hilarious. Yeah. She should mouth do. Rate and review this podcast, while my daddy will go into a deep depression.
0: Going <laughs> down business with Aaron Caliber.
1: yeah
0: boom welcome to grown dad business this is aaron Kleiber. guys good episode today with my friend john dick winters pittsburgh comedian uh, also founder of the burning bridges comedy festival you'll hear a little bit about that and uh yeah we had a good talk we had a good talk good times uh very funny guy really helping bring the pittsburgh comedy scene along also tours all over the country with Race to the Coffin Comedy Tour. You hear a little bit about that, but uh, he also has twin daughters, and that's a lot of good times. Uh, (laughs) I can't imagine. But, hey, um, real quick, fun announcement. Uh, One of my partners, goodsandevil.com. You guys now have a coupon code. It's my favorite movie and nerd shirts, goodsandevil, goodsandevil.com. You can save 10% on any T-shirt. Just put in... The code GROWNUP, all one word, GROWNUP, yeah, I know, GROWNUP, on GoodsAndEvil.com, get 10% off any shirt, thanks to Dan at Goods and Evil my favorite shirts, uh, Camp Crystal Lake, my Boomstick shirt, uh, my Big Lebowski Abide shirt that glows in the dark, dope, my Brain Bite shirt that's a brain with a zombie bite out of it, that's also one of my favorite shirts of all time, and they also have a line of vegan shirts, too, if you're into that, but uh, check that out. Also, uh, if you want to see me live, uh, part of the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival, guys. uh, Midnight, Saturday, April 16th at Arcade Comedy Theater. I will be hosting my Comic Wars stand-up comedy game show. There's amazing comedians uh, from out of town that are part of the Burning Bridges Festival. Norlex Belma returns to Pittsburgh from New York. Shannon Norman is on that, too. Um, Arcade Comedy Theater, Midnight. Uh, also, and if you haven't checked out any other shows for the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival, that is Friday and Saturday, burningbridgesfestival.com. I'm pretty sure that's what the website is. Um, but no, it's burningbridgesfestival.com. There's a lot of awesome shows. And uh, I th- I, th- I think uh, you may be a little late on getting a festival pass for only $20. That's unbelievable because there's a lot of shows. Um, so, I mean, like, a lot. <laughs> There's there's shows all over the place, uh, so it's really cool. A lot of uh, comedians from all around the country, and uh, yeah, check that out. Um, I'm also on the uh, one night only tour, variety tour with Mark Hayward, Jonathan Burns, and other variety performers, yo-yos, mentalists, all that. Not like the mentalist, the show, but I'm the stand-up comedian on the show, and uh, I'm a little mental. Uh, so <clears throat> check that out. Um, I'm going to be all over the place. Baltimore, outside of Philly. uh, uh, Well, Friday, tomorrow, Friday, the 15th, uh, I'm in Delaware doing an awesome fundraiser. And then the 16th, I'll be in Phoenixville, PA, with the one-night-only tour. And yes, I am going back to Pittsburgh for the Midnight Comic Wars, part of the Burning Bridges Festival. Festival. The Burning Bridges Festival at Arcade Comedy Theater. Uh, So yeah, check that out. I'm also going to be in Lansing, Michigan at the end of the month, the 28th through the 30th at Tripper's Comedy Club headlining. A lot of good stuff coming up. Uh, You're the best. John Dick Winters is one of the best. So here we go. My My friend John Dick Winters.
1: What's up, Epicast? This is John Dick Winters. I'm here talking to you about the Burning Bridges Comedy Festival. Burning Bridges Comedy Festival. Coming to Pittsburgh April 15th and 16th, all over Allentown, Southside, and Downtown. We're doing 14 shows in six venues in two days. I have 20 nationally touring comedians coming into town, along with 30 local comedians We're making you laugh all weekend. Jeff Tate is headlining Club Cafe and work hard pittsburgh we're selling festival passes for twenty dollars at burning bridges we are only selling 100 of these and they will sell out so get one now get one now
0: boom welcome to grown dad business this is aaron Kleiber. uh i have a really uh fun guest i just called you fun which <laughs> i apologize for that uh i don't know how funny he is You're kind, you can be fun but uh my guest this week is uh, John Dick Winters. You have to say his full name, John Dick Winters. Yep. Um, I know him from the Pittsburgh comedy scene. Uh, he's he's had a uh, a, a pretty big uh, resurgence of comedy. You've had to do a, a lot with the resurgence of comedy. You did in Pittsburgh. You did.
1: Well, I, I don't see it that way because it was kind of resurging as I started. Um. Yeah, but you,
0: I think you did something where I I've told people that you've done a good job of kind of injecting a little like punk into the comedy scene which is just like what i it, it, but just like which is just like it just, which is basically heroin <laughs> <Just>. <laughs> <laughs> you provided heroin for everybody and we all thank you because now the people that don't do heroin have more shows uh no i mean just really just the way uh rock bands and punk bands put on shows and you have done that well you've done a good job. And that Thank you. that kind of started with uh, Race to the Coffin comedy tour. You guys have toured the country and did that, mm-hmm. which started with a show that I put together. Yeah, you, <laughs>
1: you were the impetus for it, Race to the Coffin. I'm sure I've always given you credit for the, that. Uh, the, uh, what was that called? I just nothing Sacred. Is,
0: nothing Sacred comedy show. I have
1: that poster framed in my wall.
0: And Mike Rabino from Arcade made that poster. Uh, because, oh, really? Yeah. I, I did that. I, yeah, because I told him, I was like, you know, they're all kind of like wild comics, you know, they say crazy things, you know, and then, and uh it's like, you know, there's nothing sacred, you know, because that's a term in comedy, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, nothing sacred for this comic. Like he'll say whatever. And I was just like, you know, like I was thinking like stained glass angels or something. And Mike is the guy that's like,
1: Okay. Yeah. Done. It's funny about that show, that was my first paid gig. That was in July of twenty twelve. Wow. And I had so I've only I can't been believe do- that was that long. Ago. Yeah, I had been doing comedy for six months. Uh, I was put on the show with people who have been doing it for like a year longer than me or whatever. Wow. And uh, I remember the deal that we got. We all got $30 plus a pretty good bar tab, which even today would be a great deal for what I'm doing. Yeah, that's not
0: bad. I mean, uh, (laughs) and I remember thinking like, oh, man, these guys, I mean, it's going to be a good show. I just, I, I think from the beginning, and I'm not trying to like, you know, I'm not trying to act like I'm like being like a shepherd or something like that. I just wanted to put together a show where you guys could do a show together in like, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like the, the guys that are there, they talk about, well, the guys that talk about stuff that's, they have nothing sacred, like yeah. just talk about whatever they want. It's like, Oh, let's create a show that these guys can do together and, people can have fun in the right it's venue. still it's still
1: funny to me to think that tim ross was only on that show because he looked like us because he does not he's completely <laughs> vanilla well i think i was i started to be really close friends with him then and uh
0: yeah i don't know what happened with that he I just he just looked like us that's all yeah i like you, and, 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 and you have a totally beard? totally worked out you have a fine. beard get in here um <laughs> And Robert X now is doing comedy in Philadelphia, and uh, who else is on? Alex Stapula, Tim Ross, you, Shannon Norman. Yep, that's it. Did I host it? Yes. Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah, Nothing Sacred turned into Race to the Coffin, and you guys added Jesse Irvin. Yeah, because Robert X moved, and then Jesse. Jesse and I knew each other a long time ago. Our bands used to play together like 10, 15 that's, years ago.
0: That's so funny when you guys talk about bands, Yeah. like how you play in these bands. Mm-hmm. And you have some pretty hilarious YouTube videos of you playing in bands. I do. Like, hilarious. You are know, at dreadlocks. <laughs> yeah, that's, I cannot. That's the best. Uh, and now uh, it's pretty exciting in Pittsburgh that, uh, that you're pretty much made the second, maybe third comedy festival in Pittsburgh. There's the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival, uh, which there's is mostly D- an improv festival. Yeah, there's which, a DVE Fest. Yeah. Uh, then there's the DVE Comedy Festival. But uh, Burning Bridges Comedy Festival is like... It's uh, you did what you've always done. You put together kind of like a punk stand up, you know? And, and, and that, what, what I mean is, I don't know why to keep saying that, but it's the only way to describe
1: it. Well, you can, because I hate that. saying alt. No, you keep saying punk, which you're not wrong. Uh, I always just, I always just use DIY. Yeah, yeah, uh, right. just the do-it-yourself mentality, which is obviously associated with the punk scene for sure. Yeah, yeah and, kind and, of the and, street and, team. And given my aesthetic, it's not you're not wrong in saying that. But I always say DIY. I'll post a and, picture uh,
0: of you so people understand who I'm talking <laughs> yeah, to. Absolutely.
1: And they're like, oh yeah, yeah, we get it. We get what <laughs> kind of festivals he does. <laughs> yeah, you know what? The Burning Bridges um, didn't start out that way. Uh, I, I've always wanted to do my own fest. And when the Pittsburgh Comedy Festival started two years ago, I was like, well, I just won't do it then. They're doing it already. But they're doing it in such a like um a rigid kind of structured way yeah, it's which st- is a it's, it's a whole it's a whole of... different way than I would personally do it obviously sure. it was different than the way that I would do a festival and um, mm-hmm. so I was like after I experienced what they were doing I'm like oh I think I can still do my own thing and sure, there's yeah. plenty of room for both of us that was my mentality Absolutely. when I decided to go ahead la- at the end of last year to book this festival and right. then it it was just basically an excuse to bring in some friends from around the country to tell jokes. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it's 14 shows in two days at six venues with over so 50 great. comedians. its I didn't mean for that to happen. It just kind of evolved that way. Because the, the support I got was kind of overwhelming. And it just became sure. like, I just kept like, oh, we can do this. Oh, we can do this too. Right, And then this is what it came up to.
0: No, I think it's really exciting. I mean, I, I, I'm willing to do anything for it, you know, and in – and I'm uh, doing a Comic Wars for it. That's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of fun to do a Midnight Comic Wars, uh, especially with road comics. Yeah. Um, I do a, a stand-up comedy game show called Comic Wars, if I haven't mentioned it before. But um, it's pretty much has residency at Arcade. And uh, I love doing that with road comics who don't know each other. Yeah. And we've proven, because we've done it already, that it works. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a lot of fun. I, uh,
1: I, I, I did an interview with the City Paper today, and I mentioned how I think Comic Wars is the most exciting comedy show in the city.
0: Well, you're
1: the sweetest. I do. I, I think it's great. I think it's so fun. It's it's some of the
0: most fun I have on stage. Yeah, and it's uh, because I get to do something different.
1: Yeah, like it's I'm not I'm not hosting. I mean, that's the whole point of most of the shows that I produce. Like without, that's the whole point of right. Comedy Roulette is that it's just not a monotonous comedy show. Right. It has this marketable quality that's just like this one little extra thing, and it makes it so much more fun and challenging in a lot of ways because it's just not your normal set or whatever. Yeah, I
0: mean, it it definitely just uh, I mean. I come from a background where I worked in camps and nonprofit and pretty much ran games like that for kids, like stage games with like, you know, props and yeah,
1: brainwashing. And, yeah, no,
0: <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, but like I I love doing that kind of stuff. And so I'm used to doing that. And then it's just being on stage with my friends and adults in, on, in the audience. It's like, OK, now you can just I'm just I pretty much improvise a game show for 90 minutes. Yeah. That's I just know an order and improvise my way from one to nine. Absolutely. Uh, and it's a blast. Uh, so thanks, man. That's It is it is fun, and I want to do it in different cities. Uh, I would like to try that. Um, but And you have a couple other shows during Burning Bridges, like f- fun. Talk about some of the other fun shows you do during Burning
1: Bridges, but some of the ones that you've done before. Yeah. Like- um, so Burning Bridges is featuring uh, – there's a Comic Wars um, – show then we're doing a nearly nude show which is just my version of uh underwear show um which was made famous by joe pettis out of atlanta is pettis coming up for this he couldn't make it now i was gonna do an underwear show regardless but if you know if he would have been here he would have hosted it but no he he couldn't make it he was booked in a different city yeah um let's see here we're doing we're doing an all-cop show which is (laughs) i that is such a good idea because it's a good idea we'll see how how it works out. i think it'll be a lot of
0: fun i think it will Um, be too uh, my my podcast producer, Epicast, uh Nick Miller, owns Black Forge Coffee. Yeah. And it's next to a police station. Yep. Yeah. Uh on Warrington
1: Avenue. Yep. And uh that's a great idea. Or is yeah. it like 3 p.m.? It's at one one in the afternoon, that's and the, the 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 station commander is catering the event, so the cops will come over and eat their lunch and listen to a comedy show. And uh, you know, you've been to Black Forge and we all hang out, hang out at Black Forge for shows and stuff, and they're just nice guys. Now, I'm yeah. not some like super anti-cop guy. I'm also not some super pro-cop guy, but I think for the most part they're just people sure. and they just I'm sure they would like to laugh like any other yeah. group of people. So, uh yeah. when I when we started planning the fest and one of my first ideas was Let, let's do a, right. a show for all cops and see how that goes and they loved the idea. Like the guy, the, yeah. the police um commander, the precinct commander, whatever his name, I'm blanking on his name, I apologize. But um He's like inviting cops from all over the city, not just that particular precinct. Oh man! So <laughs> yeah. maybe next year when you do it, you just do an all-cop show in a bigger venue. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. It's just the thing. The thing is, uh, the, you know, obviously most of them are on duty, so they can't stay for right, very long. Right. So there's going to be a transient audience. But I'm excited to see. Just the uniqueness of it uh, will be fun, and I'm hopefully it won't get out of hand or anything like that, which I don't think it will. Right, dude, I I think it'll all be in fun, and when it comes down to it, they're
0: they're just people. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. That's the way I see it too. So beyond the cop show, the one I'm really excited about uh, is the worst tattoo competition. That is so funny. And uh, how are you not giving Shannon Norman a trophy already? <laughs> I don't think you you got to see some of the guys coming in to do the show. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Some of the out of town comics. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the reason why. This show is happening on the festival, and I haven't done it in Pittsburgh because there's just not enough comedians in Pittsburgh (laughs) who would do it. So the premise is that a group of comedians, I think there's eight or nine on the show, and at the top of the show, they go up and they show what they they consider to be their worst tattoo. They maybe tell a quick story about it, and then there's judges who will vote on it. And whoever gets the worst tattoo voted is going to get a tattoo on stage during the show but they are not going to know what the tattoo is. <laughs> they're, they're just going to be... Are a, you shitting me? Yeah, they won't even know until it's done. Who's voting what goes on them? Um, That is a great question. I think we might just like, have a couple of different tattoos that we pull out of a hat or something and like have that. have the audience pick? Yeah, kind of like a, that. Like, yeah. Take them in the other... like. Yeah. It's like an improv game where you take them in the other room. Something like that, And the audience picks. Oh, that's uh, a great idea. I have Ryan Westfall, who's the owner of Butler Street Tattoo, who's a big comedy fan and comes to a lot of the shows. He's going to be on the stage with a microphone, both the comedy comedian and the tattoo (sighs) artist will have a mic. Oh, my God. And the tattoo will be going on during the stage, and then a show will go on also. And so hopefully there'll be interaction between the comic getting tattooed and the comedians. where, Where were you doing that? That's at the Murder Room. That's at the Commonwealth Press's warehouse. Oh, okay, cool. Which Commonwealth Press is a you know, local screen printer, and they're one right. of the bigger uh, sponsors of the festival. And then they also have a little punk venue on the side of their warehouse, which they've had cool. a lot of punk shows, but they've never had comedy there before. But this one fits in, I think.
0: That's, that's, that's such a fun idea. Um, and you do other shows, like uh, you do the bingo show.
1: Yeah, I do. I do. Isn't a comedy it called, that's Bingo. That's a bingo. That's a bingo. That's from Inglorious Bastards. The logo for the show <laughs> is a Nazi <laughs> general or whatever that guy, whatever that character was. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think people are getting the joke, and but do whatever. You know? <laughs> yeah, whatever his name was. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that's a bingo. So it's a stand up comedy bingo, which is basically bingo with words, which is a show that happens in a lot of places throughout the yeah, country. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just wanted to do one here. Um, we need a strong Sunday show, and I'm hoping that this will develop into it. Yeah, I was gonna do it this week. Uh, but someone wants to get paid. <laughs> it's sorry. like a sellout. I know. Well, well.
0: <laughs> even even when I'm home, I'm like, I'll do whatever. I just mm-hmm. want to get on stage, hang out with people, but uh, and I'll, I'll get to it one day. Absolutely. Um, yeah. No. I I I've always said, you know, I think you've done a lot of cool stuff for the Pittsburgh scene and kind of like just keep people like churning to like. You know, churning in the like excitement of comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean, and that's a lot of fun. And now you're you're doing a midnight show at arcade. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing yeah. technically Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I, I we put a show together, <laughs> and uh, technically Sunday, which is going to be technically Saturday for Burning Bridges. Yeah,
1: well, we're uh, doing technically Sunday too. That's Comic kind of Wars. We're just using yeah, the name yeah, for yeah. both. And All I
0: move that because I'm going to make money. Uh, <laughs> I apologize. Uh, no, that's a nonprofit for uh a disease and i <laughs> and i misplaced it on my calendar because i'm a dick uh that's what happened but um but yeah and you also last year at the pittsburgh comedy festival we had an amateur competition you won that and got a spot in the pittsburgh comedy festival and uh did you win a competition at the improv i
1: placed and i got third
0: yeah you got third yep. so you're all right all so right. you know, it's like well, people.
1: people you know, I'm doing okay.
0: Yeah, the people. Well, people that don't listen, they're like, "Who's this guy?" Like, what it? he's yeah. all
1: right. Okay, yeah. he's done some good
0: stuff. He's doing good. I played, um, a,
1: I played a living room in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. Killed. <laughs> oh,
0: you played a living room in Eau Claire.
1: Oh yeah. Oh, I've done, I did a casino there. Yeah, there's, there's a little, a there's a nice room. little independent comedy scene in Eau Claire. There's like eight people do comedy, and they're all awesome. Like Kyle Canaan was there a few weeks ago That's in Eau Claire. Crazy. <laughs>
0: Yeah, no, I know they book a couple things there. There's a lot of comedy in Minnesota and Wisconsin. Like yep. a lot. Yeah. And some really good clubs. Yeah. Minneapolis, Acuna. Appleton. Um yeah, there's a lot of good clubs up there. Um but no, I I I wanted to have you on because uh you know, you're also a dad. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of times if people would see our sets, like we're like the the like the polar opposite dads, I think people like try to pin us that way where like you're some no, I mean, it's it's probably mostly appearance. Well, no, you're probably l- a little meaner than I am about, <laughs> about dad stuff.
1: Yeah, uh, I, I mean, yeah, I guess so. I definitely have a mean streak as far as my, my uh, general humor is concerned. Like, off stage, definitely I have, I have a mean streak. And with my kids, it's very, like, jovial and joking that way. That's how I was raised, just to be, like, mean to each other. Well, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. No, I think like it's just funny. I think that if, if there's like a dad standing here, a normal dad, that we, w- you and I, would be on each side of his shoulder, like that. Oh, people the angels. Think that's, yeah, like that. <laughs> yeah. But it's not very much like that. I mean, I can appreciate like what you do, and you know, and I know, you know, I do cheesy stuff and talk about how much my life is insane, but it's really just all jokes, you mm-hmm. know. But um, I think it's uh, it's fitting that you're on grown dad business because you have twin daughters. I do. And that is, I will never, I would never wish that upon anybody. But obviously, people that do have twins, it's a good thing, uh, and you enjoy it. I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, you know, as much as you know, we say like we can't stand having kids, and you know, make people laugh about it. Um, I still can't imagine having twins. That's bananas.
1: Uh, you know what? I think you did it harder. No, I mean, number one, you wanted kids. So There's the big difference between me and you. <laughs> but um, that's true. You have three kids and you have you have a baby at home, yeah, almost a toddler now, right? Seven, five, and one. Yeah, yeah. So that's way more difficult than having twins. Twins is they just grow up together, and by the time they're two or three, they just always have someone to play with. It's it's just you're right. The first couple of months is difficult because you're dealing with two babies, right? But like after that, it's
0: they're just playing together the whole time,
1: and you know, and then they always have someone to be there with them, and um, I I, I, it might not be a twin thing, but my daughters specifically are just like a little bit more uh they're pretty mature and they've always been really well behaved. So Well,
0: I could see you as and and I I've, I've met your ex-wife before. Yeah. You seem like the kind of people that like would raise your kids a little more mature. I mean cuz we're I'm like that too. My wife and I are like we don't like baby them and put like baby leashes on them and you know yeah. and talk to them like they're people.
1: I remember refusing to use walkers or strollers with them by the time they're eight, 18 months. They, oh, yeah, yeah like we – oh, no, yeah, you they, see three- they, and four-year-olds? Yeah, they walk. Yeah, like they're, they're in a stroller. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. like, get
0: the – what?
1: That's upsetting. Like,
0: that kid's four.
1: Yeah. What the hell – You're ruining g- society 20 years from now. That's no what you're doing.
0: <laughs> or or people that are just like – you ever see the moms that like their six-year-old once picked up? Mm-hmm. And they pick them up? Mm-hmm. And this mom, <laughs> this 120-pound mom yeah. has like this – grown man this like (laughs) six-year-old boy on his hip and i'm like get his ass what the get if my son was like carry me i'm
1: like you're crazy it's like that eight eight eight-year-old inbred kid from game of thrones is still breastfeeds (laughs) i
0: i know you're talking i don't even watch game of thrones and i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god uh we have a comedian friend that talks about how his three-year-old is still breastfeeding which is do we we do
1: Oh wait, okay, I think I know and, what it is. and that's yeah.
0: cuckoo bananas,
1: yeah, uh yeah, I mean, come on, dude, three yeah, that's a little that's a little old for sure how how long
0: did your girls breastfeed
1: that, not very long because my my ex wife unfortunately couldn't uh couldn't do it, um, yeah, she would have went as long as possible, but yeah, it was only a few months.
0: Oh no! My wife was like, "Nope, I want my boobs back." Yeah, like she's. I think we did four months. Yeah. yeah no, yeah. every kid, it got less and less. <laughs> it was like it was like six months, five months, and the third baby was like a week. Get off me! Like I'm done. <laughs> um, but like, so how were you? Were you married when you had when you had kids?
1: No, uh, we got married almost when the when the girls were one years old. We got married, and that lasted. The marriage lasted for almost five years, or about five years. We've been we've been separated. We're still not divorced. Oh really? Uh, yeah, we've been separated since '08, so it's been eight years. <laughs> you just haven't got a divorce. You know, I it's, this is a funny story. That's still,
0: still work out tax purpose wise.
1: Uh, she just claims everything. I get. I just give her all the. Yeah, yeah. She gets all I'm the just money. Curious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's funny that that cut came up because uh, my ex-wife and I are tight, and she owns a restaurant, and I right. went to help her this weekend to cook, and uh, I was sitting there. And uh, I said to her, I'm like, hey, what were those papers I signed a few months ago? <laughs> Do I not own the house anymore? Because we also own a house together. I was like, did I sign over the house to you? What, did I, what were those papers? She's like, oh, those were divorce papers. I'm like, are we divorced? She's like, we, we will be soon. I'm like, oh, good to know. I had no idea what I signed. <laughs> she just told me to sign papers. And I was like, okay. And apparently she is getting a divorce, but like, it's been slow. It's, like, it's just expensive. It's really expensive to get divorced. Is it? Yeah. When you have kids and property, yeah, it's really expensive. But why can't you just be like, no, nah, we're cool. Well, I mean, that's what we've done. I mean, not on paper, but as far as the divorce, like... They're just. I mean, it takes a lot of money to file for divorce. Really? Yeah, it takes like three hundred dollars just to file for the divorce, and then there's more beyond that. That's the that's the main reason why we never did it. But then we're also it doesn't really affect our lives to not be divorced,
0: right? Yeah. Unless
1: I mean, like unless one of you guys want to get married
0: again or no, something. No, I mean, from my end, that's never <laughs> never gonna happen. <laughs> no, I see you in your black vest living the dream. Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, I know what you're doing, having a good time. I get it, cruising. I, I I know what you mean.
1: So. <laughs> Well,
0: so I mean, obviously, you didn't plan to have twins.
1: No, um, no. She got pregnant in like November of '02, and then by March of '03, which is like when I turned twenty years 02. old. '02. Yeah, I was a sophomore in college. Yeah, I was. I was. I was nineteen. You were nineteen. <laughs> yeah. What were you doing at nineteen? I was living in the South Side. <laughs> and were you? What were you doing? I was. I was going to the art institute, which didn't last for long. I didn't like it very much, but. uh then I was just living here, and then all of a sudden I was a father. Were you, like, in a band? Were you, like... Hmm, I was just hanging, I was riding BMX a lot. I rode BMX. I kind of moved to Pittsburgh to go to school, but mostly because of the BMX scene.
0: Are you kidding me? No. That is... I, I love learning stuff about people that I've known for a while yeah, yeah, by yeah. doing this podcast. Yeah, I spent... I spent,
1: I used to spend, like, 40 hours a week riding my bike.
0: Me and my brothers used to do that a lot. Yeah. Dirt jumps, stuff like that. Race each other. Mm-hmm. That was fun.
1: Like, yeah, there's a lot of, like... Uh, no, I don't know about it anymore cuz I'm so far removed, but back then in the early 2000s oh, I remember. there was a big huge pro scene Yeah, yeah, there. we
0: would we went to a couple of those me and my brothers and we would like uh we would go out to South Park and South Park would have a bunch of like BMX trails or North Park had one too. Yep. Uh but there was a lot of there was actually a really cool one in Munhall in Still Valley. Yeah. Like behind a church, mm-hmm. somebody built it. Yeah. And it went all the way through the woods with jumps and it was yep. like amazing. Um, but that's uh, so you were doing BMX, mm-hmm. and you were like, "Oh, I got my girlfriend pregnant." Yeah, well, she wasn't my girlfriend, but yeah. Oh my god! <laughs> so, but so it's it, so. You, is, do you feel like you kind of you guys kind of did the right thing? You're like, "Oh, you're
1: pregnant. Let's like stay together." That wasn't no. Actually, uh, I, This is the funny thing about our our story is that um, her parents are evangelical Christians, and so when she got oh, that's pregnant, a blast. yeah. So when she got pregnant, she was she nineteen? She was twenty one. Okay. So there was pressure from them to get married, and I remember this is one of the, this is nineteen years old. I sat down on their couch, and to their faces was like, "Listen, I don't love your daughter." I'm not going to marry her. 19 years old. I was saying this to two um, grown people. 19-year-old John
0: Dick Winter saying that, I 100% believe it.
1: Yeah, and they didn't, they didn't care. They just wanted us to get married. And then a year later when uh, – I well, I mean I think, I'd, I think I was in love. I was in love or I thought I was in love. I'm not sure if there's a difference. And I, when, when, I, when I proposed or whatever and um, – we decided to get married, they were against it because by, by that time they had found out that I was a very devout atheist and that um, I, had, I have a very different view on what life should be. <laughs> like, they, they didn't dislike me, but they weren't stoked that I'd be part of the family So they're all. like,
0: ah, sh- we'll be okay without you.
1: Yeah, and they, did, they did not like the idea of us getting married, but then we went wow. through with it anyway, and they came around too. There was, a, there was a couple years there where I was pretty tight with my ex-wife's family, and we were all trying to make it work, and I used to live in the suburbs, and uh, I thought I was going to go into their family business, and but what's then, their family business? They used to sell subway franchises, wow, yeah huh yeah 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 that's interesting yeah yeah, yeah. They, they, there's people obviously subways are a franchise, but then the people who sell the subways in the region that 's also a franchise so sure. like they would sell um, people's stores and they would maintain them that they were in charge of that. And then they would get a percentage of every subway sales in, uh, um, right, like Allie they would maintain County. the
0: brand yeah. and like make sure that was all
1: they've been working in subway for like 35 years at that point. And they, they got out like maybe eight years ago, five years ago. Or it was.
0: So they're probably doing all right. Yeah, they're fine. Huh?
1: Wow. And then you were married for about five, six years. Yeah. And that was
0: cool for a little while. Mm-hmm. Now, when did you, uh, it's so funny. I feel like you've, uh, it's. I don't want to try to rip on you on the podcast, but like it's no, so please. funny that you have <laughs> you've had like multiple alt identities. <laughs> like you're like a, I'm a PMX writer. Then you're in punk bands. Now you're a comic. Well, yeah, <laughs> uh, you're not anything
1: that accepted tattoos. You were there, <laughs> cook, <laughs> like, cook, chef.
0: You were. A chef. I was just
1: gonna say you're a chef. Um, yeah, you're not wrong about that. Uh, that's one way to look at it. I, I definitely tried a lot of different things. Uh, I failed at a lot of different things. I was. A, I played poker professionally for a year shut your mouth uh, yeah I used before the casino there was a big underground poker scene in pittsburgh like um did that lead to your divorce or? no not at all but i used to pay a mortgage with poker <laughs> are you sh- shitting me yeah <laughs> uh but i eventually lost it all and had to go back to get a real job i was a stay-at-home dad for a while um i used to i owned an ice cream truck <laughs> like one of those ice cream trucks you know what I mean? we're the same age right how old are you 33 i just turned thirty three. yeah yeah, I
0: you know I I like because I have a similar stories like yeah. I I have done I tried so many and jobs. failed at yeah. a lot
1: of things because my ultimate goal was to always just not have a boss not to have a sure you know that's yeah and not necessarily to like own my own business but just whatever to not have to answer to anybody and then I've always loved comedy and I was always just like my the, I didn't start doing comedy until I was almost twenty nine and the reason why it took me so long to get into it. Was because I grew up idolizing George Carlin. Right. And when you grow up idolizing George Carlin, part, it got into my brain being like, oh, I can never do that. Sure. Because you can't. Oh, I, I absolutely. I mean, I grew up
0: loving Eddie Murphy and Martin yeah. Lawrence. So and you I'm gr- like, well, you, I can't because I'm grow white. Up, yeah, I you definitely grew up can't do idolizing that.
1: idolizing these people yeah. who are in another stratosphere. Sure. Even in their own world. And then you're just like, I can't do that. Right. And, um, It kind of took me a long time to realize like maybe I could find my – Louis C.K. was kind of the catalyst because he started doing jokes when I was a father and I was like, oh, I've lived every one of these experiences. And it was really frustrating to see him up on stage telling basically my life story but like doing it obviously so well. And uh, and the, the, him doing that, that kind of material is like oh maybe I could do this because he brings such an everyman quality to it that George Carlin does not have he, George Carlin sure. so eloquent and so verbose in his language oh right um, he he feels like he's like in front of like like
0: I don't know some like Greek. Like troubadour. Oh like, yeah, you know it's what it, I mean? it's
1: a it's a it's a very well rehearsed, it's, fine, oh yeah, yeah. refined yeah. performance. It's more of like, and a, that's a, not what Louis S- 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 satirical speech. Yeah, that and that's not what Louis. That's not a lot right. of people. No one really does that. Very no. few people really do that. And so I didn't really. Be,
0: I I've, I've read I read something calling him like a
1: modern day philosopher. Oh, for sure. There's yeah, no yeah. there's no there's no doubt about that. What? A, yeah, he, there, he definitely crossed the line between comedian to orator to right a, right satire to philosophy. Yeah, for sure. And um. But when I, I mean, I've always been a fan of comedy. But then, obviously, Louis C.K. like a lot of comedians spoke to me directly, and um, I was like, "Oh, well, then you can just be a regular slob and still have <laughs> intelligent things to say, but not them with such. You don't have to have a thesaurus next to you to write a comedy set. Sure, <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. So that kind of that kind of changed my thinking, and then I finally got the balls to do an open mic.
0: But you, but you came. Is that directly coming from doing like being in bands?
1: No, there was a huge, huge gap. Oh, really? Yeah, like eight years. Six. How long? How long did you do? Were you in bands? Just a few years. Really? Yeah, not really. Just kind of tried it out. Well, my friends uh, already had an established band, and there was some uh, change in, inside the band that I got invited into the band. So I, I never uh, started in a band like from the ground huh. up. I never yeah. did that. It was it was already a pretty well established band in Altoona, and I was already living in Pittsburgh. But uh, we did that. I did that for like two or three years. I recorded an album with them. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, so, I mean, you already kind of – you got a little taste of the stage. Yeah, some, very
0: little. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit like that. Mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm always interested, as, you know, how that worked. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just did comedy. You just were like,
1: oh, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've always wanted to do it. Uh, I actually did one open mic maybe five years before I actually started, one at the Improv. That one uh, of one of those Wednesday night yeah, things yeah, yeah. that are just terrible. That had to have been back in the day. It was like oh five oh six. Oh geez, Billy Elmer might have been hosting that then. He might definitely might have been. I, I cannot remember for the life of me who it was. But yeah, it was, Billy it was... Elmer,
0: I from what I've heard, this is just you know knowing the history of Pittsburgh comedy. He hosted the open mic there like
1: from the day it opened till for about six years. Yeah.
0: And then the I've won. actually never
1: <laughs> met Billy Elmer so I'm not sure yeah, yeah, yeah. if it was him or not I don't know if I'd known to see him and it right. doesn't it obviously doesn't matter but like right. I, it was such a traumatizing experience <laughs> that I, it, I, it scared me off. I was like oh I'm never doing that Especially,
0: again. Especially, I always think like the people that want to do comedy they do it at the comedy club. The A Comedy Club first. Well, because
1: you don't know any other way. And this is the, again, this is 6 six. You're, you're absolutely right. They just today he, it doesn't make sense because you can Google and every open mic in the city will come up. But back right. then that wasn't necessarily the case. Right. You're just like I'm going to go to the
0: comedy club.
1: Yeah. And even still, then I'd say 2005, 2006.
0: I think Billy Crawford was doing like an open mic somewhere. Oh yeah. Like in, what you call it? Like. Uh, Regent Square, something like that. He was doing something over there. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had, like, one of the only open mics. Okay. I think Kren had one for a minute, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, there was nothing going on. Yeah. Because when I started in 09, there was, like, there was nothing. Yeah. Oh Well, yeah, 09. I mean, there was the Moose. That's it. Yeah. That was Mitch McCallsha. Yeah. That's it. And then the Funny But Open mic and the Improv open mic. mic. Um, and then how long have you been doing it now? You've been doing it? Uh, not quite four and a half years. Oh yeah, okay. We're yeah. doing all right. Yeah, that's not bad. I'm I'm okay with my trajectory. Yeah, it's funny, and and I mean this as as a compliment. Like I don't remember comedy without you. That's well, that's, that's a good nice. thing. Yeah, that's nice. To hear. Yeah, that's a good because I'm like, wow, there was like probably two years, my first two years, where you weren't around, and I'm like, oh well, yeah, you don't know, like really know Mitch McCulture or Danny Palombo. and. Not some. I only
1: know Danny from him visiting. Right? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Know. I don't think I've ever worked with Danny outside of like a mic or maybe a show here. Yeah, at yeah. Pleasure bar recording. Yeah, yeah. Because um, there was
0: that crew, you know, John Pridmore and Mitch McCulch and
1: Minto was around. And- yeah, I'm part of the class. I'm a little bit newer than like my contemporaries are Reza Wadney and Alex DePiola. Wow. Tim Ross and Shannon Norman. And like, right. I'm part of, I'm, I'm, they're, they're a little, been doing it longer than me a little bit, but I consider myself part of kind of that class. Right, right. And then the, the people that are younger than me, you got people like, you know, the Brandon Shells and Ryan Garisich and Harry Gilliland and a few other people that are just like, it's cool to be. And then there's people like you who are even like there's these these I don't want to say hierarchies, no, no, but there's no, the,
0: the, I mean there is though
1: there is yeah, but that sounds like that's like like it's like a status kind of thing. I no, think no, of no. it like like a, like a class situation where there's seniors and there's yeah juniors, yeah yeah absolutely. Where if if I'm a sophomore and then those guys are freshmen, and no, you're a no, junior yeah. and Bill Crawford are the seniors or whatever. Yeah, I mean it's cold I still to, look
0: up to Bill Crawford like he would be like the college
1: guy. Absolutely, that I know, yeah, I know. and I, I I like seeing that progression. I like being you know I just remember when I started like. You were doing it for about as long as I am now. When I started, give or take, you know, you and Mento and stuff, and that's cool to be like at that point now and being. I don't want to say I'm looked up to by people, but I know people look to me for advice and sure. and for. Um,
0: yeah, people uh, know that
1: you put in the years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? It's and it's cool. It's, yeah, really, yeah. it's 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 a cool thing to be a part of, and I, you know, some people bitch about the comedy scene being like this clickish kind of thing. And you know what? I don't know. Maybe it's, I, maybe it's the straight white male in me, but I don't see it that way. I never have. <laughs>
0: I, I always think that, um, it comes from, and you know, I've had conversations about this. This is very, I don't know if people want to talk about parenting and grown dad stuff, but usually it's a lot of comedians that listen, but, but, uh, it's a little inside baseball, but I, I, I attribute to, here's the thing. Uh, when people are like, Oh, you know, Aaron or John or whatever, they're 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 putting these guys on shows and they're hanging out with him all the time. I I hang out with good people and normally those people are good comics. Yeah. Like I I don't hang around I hang around people that I can relate to. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, "Oh, well, you're just you're just really good friends with Shannon." And I'm like, I "He's a good comic." Yeah. I just I just gravitate towards people that I have things in common with. Yeah. Like, you know, if you just started comedy six months ago, we don't have a lot in common. You know, now if you like the Beastie boys and hockey, sure. Let's talk, you know, but like, you know what I mean? And I think people see that as like, Oh, they have their favorites. No, we're just, we came up together. Well,
1: the, number one, it's n- the, people say they have their favorites as if there's something wrong with having your favorites, right? And there's absolutely nothing wrong with having the guys that your go-to people, right? There's nothing wrong with that, and um, and there's nothing wrong with wanting to wanting to be one of those people, but it's not. But you have to kind of earn it, or what? People are so yeah, weird about like putting in the time or 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 whatever. Yeah. It's a, it's a weird kind of thing. And maybe it's because I come from this weird background, like where I spent so many years in kitchens, where I've I've walked into new kitchens, and no matter how good of a cook you are, you have to just kind of like start at the bottom, or you have to kind of put in your, your whatever weeks or months Absolutely. or years. And so I've been through that process a bunch. So when I started doing comedy... I wasn't intimidated by that. I wanted to be one of those guys sure. for sure, but I wasn't bitching that much. Or I'm sure I never. And I'm not saying I'm never bitched about anything, but like I understood that you have to like put in your time in, yeah. with any situation, it yeah. doesn't matter what it is. And if you are one of those people making excuses about it being cliquish, then I think maybe maybe it's you. I agree. Yeah. and
0: I've always said too. Now it's kind of like a kind of a mantra I say that like I've broken down all of my comedy advice to just be kind and be funny.
1: You know what? I repeat that so much now because I've been such an asshole for so long, and I've trying to. Uh, I've I've tried. It's just part of my natural personality. It's not malicious, but I've tried to like overtake that because you were on that comedy panel last year for the co- comedy mm-hmm. festival, and it really, a, a lot of the advice that was said to you and the improvisers and Todd Glass, mm-hmm. I went there for a reason to learn something. Yeah. And I feel like I really did, and it was yeah, very helpful. Cool. Um Well, no, and and I say that because I
0: I I think that it's very true. It is like when people are like. Oh, well, I mean, I just want to get on the improv and blah, blah, I'm like, well, just be a cool dude and be funny.
1: Yeah, and that's, like, that's I mean.
0: I mean, you know, it doesn't matter. where people try to be like, why? I have connections with this, and I'm trying to, you know, we know comedians that have tried to weasel in and kiss ass. And I'm just like, that's cool. Like, you can be f- friends with everybody. But unless you, it, it comes down to it, you got to get on that mic.
1: Being humble and being funny and being okay to be around is going to work a lot better in the long run. Yes. And I you know. I feel like you figure that out at one point. You have to.
0: <laughs> but, like, I I may, I, and I, and I think I've consciously told you, or I think I've told you that I c- like saw you consciously make a change. Yeah. I did, con- I did
1: consciously make a change. You did. <laughs> yeah.
0: Because you were an asshole. Yeah. And not like, you know, I never had, like, I was like, man, John is fucking, he's always fucking miserable, and, like, you know, it's like, geez, dude, and, like, you were kind of mean to people, and. And I was just like, well, I remember just thinking, like, man, that's not going to work very long.
1: Well, here's the thing with that. And it didn't, it took me a long time to learn this lesson that uh, that's part of my sense of humor. Like I said, I grew up just kind of like ripping on my dad, and my brother ripping on me. So and, I,
0: and I've and i told people that. Yeah. I was
1: like, well, you got to get to know John. Yeah. But okay. then, but I'm like, but. but. But then I also learned a lesson. And this was very difficult for me to, it took a few years that like, I've, There's a part of me that when I was, like, talking with specifically comedians, like, I wanted to prove myself out on the sidewalk or whatever it is to be one of those guys. And you know what? Now that I've kind of – I mean, not that I don't have long ways to go, but, like, now that I've proven (laughs) myself on stage a little bit, like, I don't feel that need to prove myself among my peers. Um, And so – the, yeah, it's kind of an immature thing that I was doing for a long time. Where I was like, I have to be mean. I have to riff on people. I have to right. do this thing. And like, that's 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 kind of not the case anymore. And and
0: everybody kind of goes through that, I think, because starting stand-up comedy, you kind of go through the whole, you know, I'm the new kid at the lunch table thing.
1: Yeah, plus I was an asshole to begin with, so it didn't help. It was a, yeah, it
0: was, a, it was a fiery mixture. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I yeah. definitely, I, I've given you credit behind your back. To say that, like, how dare you? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, I've complimented you you behind your back, so deal with that. Yeah. Uh, That I definitely feel like you've made a conscious effort, and it was cool to see you just kind of be like, you know what? I'm gonna start being cool to people. Like, it just,
1: that's the only way I can describe it. Like, well, it's just, you know, it's, 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 it may have taken me 30 some years to learn, but that treat people the way you wanna be treated thing. Absolutely. It's very, very helpful. And like, and a part of me, Used to, You used to reverse that because I like being made fun of. I think it's one of my right, favorite right, things right. in the world. And so that was my attitude for a long time. Like, well, I like being treated that way, so I treat other people like that. But people don't like being treated well, then, that way. Well, and then you
0: realize that everybody's different.
1: Yeah, that's that's right. where, that's where the ingredient that I was missing for a long time. So now it's more of right. like a, a switch that I can turn on and off when it's appropriate. Sure, yeah. sure.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I tell people all the time that that's what it is, man. Be kind and be funny, and that's all you can really do. Yep. I mean, uh, you know, um, and that's... You were saying like that's kinda kinda where you came from. Absolutely. You kind of came from – did you come from like a like a
1: uh well, what kind of home did you come from? Pretty normal middle class home, lower middle class probably. And uh it's just Where did you grow up? Altoona. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, but my dad and my, my dad and I's relationship was just always rough housing and always verbally abusive but jovial like in a good way and then my brother like even to this day like i have a hard time talking in front of my brother because he makes fun of me so bad (laughs) is he he an older brother yeah he's 40 he's like 10 years older than me or whatever 10 years older yeah
0: no wonder why you're an asshole
1: yeah (laughs) oh my god and all of his friends too oh
0: yeah so you're like the eight-year-old with a bunch of teenagers like look at this little homo absolutely Oh
1: that's precisely what it was no wonder yeah
0: Oh, I love discovering these things.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, you call it a defense mechanism, but it actually turned into something I really enjoy doing. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and, and also, um, and I'm not trying to, like, take blame off myself, but then you couple it with how I look and how big I am, and people get really intimidated when I start talking shit on them. Yeah, 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 <laughs> like, I know what you mean. I feel like if I was 5'8", people would take it a lot better. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm six three and three hundred pounds, so people are like, "That guy's really mean." Yeah, pretty. So much. that's definitely a factor. Plus, I'm—I I just never turned it off, or for like two, three years, and when right. I started comedy, I just never turned it off. So that, and you—you you just have a brother? No, I'm the youngest of four.
0: Whoa, yeah, I have, no I have one, sisters. dude. This makes so much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are your other siblings?
1: Um, well, my oldest brother and sister are the same age because they're not. Those two actually aren't related. They're my half brother okay, and sister. Okay, gotcha. Different sides of the family. And then my um, middle sister is five years older than me. Okay, yeah.
0: So you were always the little kid. Oh, yeah yep. So you were always defending yourself, always trying to like be like I I can hang with you guys. I was
1: always defending myself, and but you know you know how it is. Like when you have the youngest kid, your parents have learned a lot and they've really relaxed. So like I was hyper independent. Like by the time I right. was eight years old, I was pretty much on my own as far right. as like of summer like there was no sure. babysitter right, right, right. <laughs> eight years old in the summer. Right. I was just around all the time you know, yeah. in the neighborhood. So yeah, I grew up pretty independent and then and with way la- more lax roles and then with fending with teenagers all the time. Right. And so
0: so your parents were pretty normal. Yeah. What did your
1: parents do? My dad managed like a security company for a, a long time, then he was an insurance salesman. And my mom until the other week uh, worked forty three years in the re- in the same restaurant.
0: Holy shit! Was she a server? Yeah, waitress well, wow. at,
1: at a at a hot dog diner, which was on a Rick Seaback special.
0: <laughs> the, <laughs> What's it
1: called? Uh, Texas Hot Dog Shop in Altoona. It's it's amazing. It's just, It's it'll be a hundred years old. The restaurant in twenty eighteen. Wow. Yeah, that's actually kind of
0: cool that your mom is one of those cool older ladies at a diner.
1: Yeah, I mean she she raised. But do you know what I mean? Four kids on, you know. But what I mean
0: is, is like when you go to those cool, like, diners, absolutely. Yeah. There's always like a 50, 60 year old, mm-hmm. like, waitress that's been there for 30 years, and you're like, man, she's so cool. Yeah. Like, I want to have a beer with her and a
1: cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> that's my mom for sure. Uh, uh, Except for the beer part. Slow gin, maybe.
0: <laughs> so it was pretty normal. Yeah. That's interesting. I always. I, I always feel like that people that become comedians either have tragedy mm-hmm. in their life. You know, I was abused as a kid and blah, 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 and lived in women's shelters and wah, wah, right? And, uh, but then it, it's either that, like you went through abuse or some kind of tragedy. Yeah. Or it was a sibling thing. Yeah. That's, and, uh, and maybe,
1: I mean, I'm I never, I, I think it is. I mean, yeah, maybe. And, uh, you're the youngest of four? Yeah. I mean, that kind of, I mean, it definitely shaped my humor for sure. Yeah, I mean that's
0: that's why like I like talking to people about them growing up on this podcast because it kind of shows the building blocks of being funny. Yeah, and it always has to do with family. It always yeah, it seems that way, yeah. It always has something to do with family. And you know, I went to school for like you know I went took psychology and counseling and all these things. And I always find it very fascinating because I, I mean I've dug into my own life. Like here's why I'm I am the way I am, mm-hmm. and it's fascinating. Like comedians have these things. You know, it's like, yeah. Like that, a checklist almost. Yeah, so. it's like you did have this thing where you had a defense mechanism that was heightened because of being the youngest sibling. Mm-hmm. And, and then like your your dad, you know, kind of busted balls or, you know, your brothers did, you know, and things like that. And then it's also like knowing that you went through your 20s with all these different things, like mm-hmm. trying things out. Yeah. That's like the, the, it's almost like a formula of it's like, man, you're going to do comedy sooner or later. Yeah. Because you like the adventure and things like that. For sure. And the and, autonomy. Yeah. And, and, and uh, that's something that comes from, I think, being a youngest child, too, is that you were like, you know what? One day I'm going to be in charge of me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not going to be the little baby anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's fascinating. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like expressing it out loud because it's always the same. Like, I keep testing it every podcast where I'm like, what? and I'm like, yep.
1: Yeah, theory gets can prove it. I wish I was laying on a couch right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I know. I get that. But I don't want I don't, I to don't, I try to do that. Um, so, now, uh, so now you're your own grown man yeah. with children. Yeah. And your twins are 12? Yeah, they'll, 13? Be th- they'll be
1: 13 shortly. Yeah. Oh, my
0: God. Yeah. Oh, my God. And you have some really funny... Go see John Dick Winters live. Because you have some really funny jokes about your kids that I wouldn't tell. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm, maybe I, I think I'm a little more... I'm not... I give a lot of credit to guys like you and some other comics that are more ballsy. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I'm too... Um, yeah, like I'm, I'm like I don't want to say stuff like that. You know what I mean? Not that it's bad. Yeah. I just, I just, you know, yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think I don't have, I don't have the balls.
1: Well, for a long time, I like,
0: don't want to take the chance of being disliked.
1: Yeah, I learned, I learned early on that some of the jokes I was doing it could be very alienating, and I had to really pepper them in, mm-hmm. which was, a, which was a great lesson on how to tell jokes like that. Right. I mean, it's, a, it's a whole different way of doing things. But like, there's a long period of time where I just stopped doing jokes about my daughters because of the. Incessant comparisons to comedians that I didn't want to get anymore. Sure, like it's, it's, it's really difficult to be eighteen months into comedy and everyone's like, "Oh, you remind me of Louis C.K." I'm just like, that's not helpful to me at all. I yeah, don't want to be. No, I don't I want to be. I don't want to be trying to so derivative. Yeah. I mean, people say dumb things too, where they're just
0: like. You're just like Jim Gaffigan, yeah. yeah and I'm yeah. like, why because I'm a white dude,
1: yeah, with like, kids. But that's but that, that that but that's like, but even when like my comedian peers were saying it, like it's just like, right, right, hey, right. like I really really shit away from it. And now I'm getting back into the daughter stuff right. because I'm in this new phase where I, I have this different perspective on my own role as a father, which has right. been very different because their mother and I have been separated for so long, right. and now they're coming into. I mean, they're so independent and so. um becoming so capable as a human beings like it's it's kind of cool. terrifying. <laughs> it's not though. It's not terrifying at all and it's very I find it very encouraging. The terrifying part is having daughters and knowing the world that they live in. Yes. But as far yeah, yeah. as you're right. That yeah. that's the terrifying part and I've actually tried to touch upon that in comedy and it's not going very well. Right. <laughs> but um yeah, I'm actually it's cool because I'm not I'm not like like you or like a normal dad because I'm not there a ton. I see them I see them when I see them. Right. But like I I've never enjoyed being a father ever. <laughs> I've never wanted to be a father and I love my daughters and they love me and I've been there for them. I live with them for seven years of their, uh, you know, all, more than half their life, but like nature took over Yeah, and it was, it, it what, what happened was this. I had to either be a father and be miserable and ruin everyone's life because mm-hmm. that's what was happening, or I could be a more distant person and go on with my life and make myself happy and, and then they may not have the father full-time father but when they do have their father he's a happy guy that's the that's... compromise that we that had to be made
0: <laughs> no that's and uh... my
1: ex-wife my ex-wife is an angel because she 100 percent understands that and mm. has never mm. been rude to me about it i mean yeah. i mean not that there hasn't been tough times but like she has been so supportive of what i'm doing and if it wasn't for her support and my daughter's understanding like mm-hmm. i wouldn't be able to do the things that i do i don't think
0: no, that's uh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It really does is that and you know I've always said too that like you can't love somebody else until you love yourself. You really can't. No, well, we're so ways from that. But
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, get, well, what get there. I mean I mean but you, <laughs> No, I know what you're saying. You
0: taking steps for you to be happier in your life will make you a better dad. Yeah, and
1: it's it's a struggle that I struggle with it because it is a selfish thing, but like what's the point of being there if it's going to be horrible? Right, that makes complete sense. And people can call it a cop out, and you're not even necessarily wrong. But like, I know me, and I know what I I know what I'm capable of doing to a group of people if I'm not in a good mood, and uh, that's what was happening. So like, you know, I may only see my daughters once a week, or not, maybe not even that much. Hmm. But like, it's the it's more quality than quantity for sure.
0: Absolutely, no, I can totally relate to that in a weird way. Like, it in a I know what you mean by, you know, where if I fly all day, I come home, and my wife is not going to be like, hey, we're going to go grocery shopping all together. No, we're not. Daddy's going to take a nap and play Xbox for a half an hour. Yeah, yeah And yeah. when I come up, we're going to be the happiest family in the world. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I, need to, I need to, like, do something right now and, yeah. like, relax so you get a better dad. For sure. You know what I mean? Well, uh, good job on trying to be a better dad by being away more.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it, it's definitely a mutually beneficial no no it I makes it's mutually beneficial it makes a, complete sense it has to be um but dude thanks for
0: chatting man yeah thanks for um, having me yeah and uh do you have do you have a website uh, i to the coffin.com and i have burning oh, bridges festival.com burning bridges festival.com race to the com, right yep. and uh yeah go check out john dick winters and uh you're on you're on at john dick winners on twitter right On everything yeah, yeah you're on all that stuff. it's all at john dick, Winters. John dick winners yeah. good for you that's yeah. nice you got that yeah. i mean i i'm aaron cliver but you know that's no one else's <laughs> there actually is an old man aaron cliver I, I can't good. believe there's more there's not any john dick winners i think there are they're just not on twitter I mean, that's super prominent <laughs> in an old age somewhere yeah. i don't know all right dude thanks thank you so much
1: up. Yep.